Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. So good to be with you today. So wonderful to see you all here as well. Uh, This morning's message, I've called this, I've called it, Let It Begin With Me. And when I wrote this message, I am inspired and challenged and excited uh, with these five, five letters that make up that title of this message, Let It Begin With Me, because I think sometimes we hope that, you know, someone else will start something or we hope that someone else can be inspired to do something and we'll just jump on the coattails of that and we'll just ride with that. But I think it's a whole lot different when God begins to move in you. And when the Lord begins to speak to you and you respond to that and you sense that God is carrying you somewhere. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. There are some parts of this message that I touched on with our women a couple of weeks ago and I I wasn't able to move past it. So I'm trusting that we are right on time with what we're speaking about today. But I want to visit for a couple of minutes into the book of Haggai. It may not be a book that you've read in recent days, but there's only two chapters in it. And it's got some very interesting parallels in it, I think, with the times that we live in and the day that we live in. And as we go through this, I hope that today as a church, as believers in Jesus Christ, that we walk out of here with a fresh something within us, that we are inspired to go forward in a a much deeper, intimate and stronger way with the things of God. But in these two chapters, one of the things that it does do and rightly so, it highlights the spiritual decline of the day, where the people were at. Just they were in no mindset whatsoever to be builders. They were in no mindset whatsoever to be rebuilders. And because of the spiritual decline that they were in, there was an attitude and there was an approach Um, and a direction that their lives were going in. They were interested in other things. They were interested in their own lives. They were not focused on the things of God. And in Haggai chapter 1 verse 2, it says that the people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And so in context of this, this was their comments. This was their statement. This was their attitude right now. But their words were coming out of a place where they were just not interested in what God was saying. Their talk, their culture, their beliefs were coming out of that place where there was no spiritual vitality um, around them whatsoever. And that's how they saw things and that's how they spoke. But in amongst this context, as always, God raises up a voice and he raises up his prophet on this particular time and his name is Haggai and he's a man with a voice that comes to sound the alarm. I don't know what your alarm clock sounds like. I've heard ducks, I've heard geese, I've heard roosters, I've heard cars, I've heard rainfalls, I've heard just about everything and some alarms are penetrating and they have this beep, beep, beep penetrating sound to them and the motive behind that is to wake us up out of sleep. Well, at this particular time, God raises up this prophet of his, his name is Haggai and he comes to sound the alarm and in chapter 1 verse 3, it says, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet. And for time's sake, we won't read it, but 
um, God addresses it like hammer on nail, hits it on the head with where these people were at. And he says, as a people, you've been living in your own comfort. You've been living in your own panelled houses. You've looked after your own interests. You've sown and yet you've not reaped. You've eaten, but you're never satisfied and your wages disappear like a pocket that's got holes in it. And as a result of their spiritual decline, the favour and the blessing of God had come off them and God's temple was in ruins. It was in a place of ruins and God was not, not happy with where it was at. So they are strong words, but he addresses the culture of the day. He, he goes into straight, straight away where, where they were at, but he finds a listening heart. And God's word comes and he speaks right into the culture of the day. It's like God's word, as Dan was saying earlier, is sharper than a two-edged sword. And God's word comes and speaks directly into what's going like an alarm clock on the scene of the day. And it's important because when the word of God comes, God says no more delays, no more procrastination, no more excuses, and even though the people are saying the time has not yet come for the rebuilding of the temple, and God's word is always different, the background of this temple was this, that it had been destroyed. And it, the people, it had been destroyed by the Babylonians some years earlier. And when you look into the book of Ezra, which we won't go to this morning because we don't have time, there were two reasons why the temple had laid in ruins. And the language of the people was this, number one, we don't have time. And secondly, they'd become satisfied with having no temple. And I stopped and I paused and I thought about that and I thought, how many times have I allowed that to be where I was at? I just don't have time. And these people had become satisfied, familiar and comfortable with having no temple at all. And as we read these pages, it sounds a little similar to our generation, that we've become satisfied, that we've become comfortable. And so God begins to move and he begins to raise up this voice. And there are three key uh, we'll call it people in this story. Number one is that God begins to move upon the prophet. So the voice of the prophetic starts to rise and then God moves upon the priest. And thirdly, the scriptures tell us that there's a remnant of God's people in the land. Whenever that word remnant is mentioned, it means there's a whole bunch of people that think differently than, than God. There's a whole bunch of people that think differently than the church. And God brings his word. And then the result of that is that the spirit of God moves in such a way that there is this, among the prophet, the priest and the remnant, there is this fresh surge of enthusiasm that starts to rise up in these people. It's like they've come alive with vision. They've come alive with God's purpose. They've come alive with direction. And they want to now be right in the centre of what God is about to do. 
You see, we can be in the vicinity of what He's doing. We can be in the vicinity of His voice. We can even be in the vicinity of church. You can be in the room, but never present in the room. You can be in the middle of a conversation, but never present in a conversation. You can hear about the things of God and be in the vicinity of what He did before, what He's doing now, what's happening right now, but never be present in that moment. But to be present with God is to make Him your priority. It is to make a choice that God is my priority. It's not a case of, oh, I'll just fit God into the room of my life somewhere. It's about He is my priority. He is my reason. And you become revived and awakened to His plan. We've had some hot days recently. And if ever you've been walking in those hot days, a fresh drink of cold water is welcomed. And when you get a fresh drink of water, you become revived again in the heat of the day. There are many in the room today that perhaps have been through the heat of the day and many different circumstances over a long period of time where the different circumstances have dehydrated you, they've drained you, they've depleted you. Well, God has a promise for you. And it's found in Psalm 85 verse 6. And He says, He says, Will you not revive us again? so that we might rejoice in you again. God is into revival. He is into reviving you. He is into that place where even though I've been through the heat of the day of multitude of situations, He is the God who can revive you so that you will again rejoice in His power, in His goodness, in His purpose and say, I no longer want to be in the vicinity of what He's doing. I want to be right in the heart of what He's doing. And again, We see the gracious hand of God move in such a way that there's this enthusiasm. As as pastors and as leaders in this place, you've got no idea the privilege and the joy of leading people who are enthusiastic with God, that they're not just people that are in the vicinity of Him, but they're right in the heart and the very soul of what He's saying, what He's doing, what He's speaking about, what He's visioned about what he's dreaming about right in the center of that it's easy to lead a church of enthusiastic people but not only did God revive them with enthusiasm he says I'm bringing strength back to you and he says to the priest be strong he says to the prophet be strong and he says to the people be strong The book of Ephesians tells us to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you get your joy back, you get your strength back. And it's people that are being awakened to being right in the hub of what He's doing. There are times in life, as we we can all relate to, there are times when we find ourselves in the unknown in the uncharted and in the unfamiliar. But irrespective of whether you're in uncharted or irrespective of where you've got a clear picture of where you're going, it takes faith in both places. Whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, it takes the same faith. And then in verse four, God says these words, as plain as day, now get to work. In other words, just do it. Just get to work. Don't think about it, don't overthink it, don't rationalise, don't do anything. Now, just get to work. You'll find it in verse 4. 
And I read these words, and again, for me at least, I'm impacted again that not tomorrow but now is the time to build. That not tomorrow but right now is the time to be revived. That not tomorrow, not next week, next month or next year, now is the time to respond to the voice of God. It's time to hear His call. It's time to say, that's not for another person down the road. That's not for someone else in the church. It's not for someone else in my family. This is about me responding and hearing the voice of God. It's now. I heard this recently and I want to repeat it back to you today. It was about a college professor. He was a professor of theology and he took his theology students on a field trip to take these students through some of the historical sites, Christian historical sites. And they came to one place in Epworth, Epsworth. One of those locations was the house of John Wesley. If you know anything about John Wesley, one of the great reformers that even today we are resting on the shoulders of what John Wesley taught and the revelation that he came to and we are very much living in the legacy of what John Wesley brought. Anyway, these students and the professor walk through this particular house that was the dwelling of John Wesley. <clears throat> they walked into the kitchen, there was a table and a chair there and utensils that they stood in this room in awe thinking, this is one of our heroes of the faith, John Wesley, a man of courage and faith and didn't compromise in his day and didn't move into a place of spiritual decline, but he was a man who stayed alert and on fire with God. And thinking that this man of God would have sat at this table, would have eaten food at this table and then the students were then ushered into another room. And in this room, there were books and another desk there and thinking again and trying to envisage, I suppose, that John Wesley would have journaled the things that God taught him here, written in a notebook just what he got out of the Bible. And this was of great interest to these students. These were students that were just on the launch pad of their own walk with God. And so to be exposed to this is nothing short of humbling and inspiring all at the same time. Finally then, the students were taken to another room in the house and it was the bedroom. <clears throat> it was the bedroom where John Wesley would have slept. Very, you know, um, not even decorated in any kind of way other than having a bed. But the thing that they noticed was that the carpet around the bed it had these two very big imprints in the carpet. And history tells the story that this was where John Wesley knelt beside his bed every single morning. And he would be bowed over over his bed, crying out that God would move again. He would, he would cry out and he was a man who didn't pray for a minute or two. He was a man who was known to pray for hours on end every single morning. And he would cry out and he would say, God, would you bring revival to my generation and would you let it happen through me? <clears throat> and so these students were in awe of this was the place where John Wesley met God morning by morning. Finally, the professor ushered, ushered his students out of the room and they all got onto the bus because it was time to go to the next historical site. 
The professor did a head count on the bus and noticed that one student was missing. He went back through the house. He was not in the kitchen. He was not in the study and finally made his way up into the bedroom and he saw his student there kneeling down in the same spot where John Wesley would have put his knees. And so this student put his knees in the same indentation that John Wesley would have. And he was hunched over the same bed with his face buried in his hands and he could hear his voice crying out, God, would you bring revival again to my generation and would you bring revival and do it through me? And the professor could hear the cry of faith echoing through the room for this one, from this one student. The professor went up to the student and tapped him on the shoulder and said, it's time to go. And the student stood up on his feet and started to move out of the room and Billy Graham made his way back to the bus with the other students. We know that God did indeed do it again. And he did it again through a hungry heart that was resolute about God, that I don't care about the culture of the day, I don't care about the opposing voices of the day, that I don't care when others are saying it's not time to build, it's not time for God to move, that even when there's been a spiritual decline, God raises up a voice in amongst it and says, God, would you do it again? And would you do it again through me? God did do it again through Billy Graham with millions of people hearing the salvation message, the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And most of us in this room today are here because of that one message, that one message of grace where God the Father sent His Son Jesus Christ to a cross to shed His blood upon a cross for a humanity that says, God, I want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Lord, would You do it again through us? And as we read through these two chapters of Haggai, there were some important things that leapt out the pages at me. One thing was this, was the declared Word. And this declared Word said this, now is the time. Now is the time to rebuild. Now is the time to to rebuild and to build. It is not tomorrow. It's not another day. It's not another generation. It's not for another person. It is now and it is now in me. This word was not just for 520 BC alone. It is a word for now, 2020, the 21st century that is ready. God is ready to move upon a people that say, God, let it happen in me. The Lord speaks and He says, there's no room for delay. There's no room for procrastination. There's no room to pass the buck somewhere else. God, let it happen in me. The other thing that comes out of these pages, which I've already touched on, God moved by His Spirit with enthusiasm upon them. He began to move by His Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it is by His Spirit, says the Lord. Could we be bold enough to cry out and say, God, move in me with fresh vision, fresh impartation of enthusiasm. Let something come alive in me again. Maybe it's coming back to your first love. Maybe it's coming to Jesus for the very first time. 
Maybe we've just become in the vicinity of church, but what is this all about? As long as I go to church every so often, I'm okay. But what if we're in the very vicinity? What if we're right in the heart and the very soul, the very meaning of why we gather together as believers today and say, God, move through me with fresh enthusiasm about the house of God. Last thing, second last thing. In this book in Haggai chapter 2, verse 7, he says, I will. Whenever God says, I will, he's not leaving it open to speculation. It is, I will fill my house with my glory. He speaks these words in chapter 2, verse 7, and he says, What you've experienced before is nothing. It is nothing compared to the greater that is ahead. This Old Testament temple was a building. But it was more than a building to God. It was the physical dwelling place of the glory of God. It was the representation of God among His people. And here we are on this side of the cross. And I've got no doubt that a greater representation of the glory of God will be seen in and through the last, last day church among His people, through His people. For us, it's not about a temple that's been built with bricks or mortar or tin or whatever. It is about our gathering in this place. But we today are the temple of God. We are the dwelling place. We are the representation of the very presence and the glory of God. And as we move through these days and in this hour, there will be a greater representation of God among His people. We face disruptions along life. Not every disruption is bad. Many disruptions under the grace and mercy of God, God says, I will use it for good. And He uses it to awaken us to a greater, greater sense of His presence that again, this house can be filled with His presence. Many disruptions will lead you to a greater understanding and revelation of God and you'll say, it was all worth it because God's Spirit was upon me. Last thought is this. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 19, it speaks about seed that is left in the barn. And it says, is there any seed left in the barn? It was a question. And it says, until now, until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. But God said, from this day on, I will bless you. Even while the seed is still in the barn, I'm going to bless it. For us, that makes no agricultural sense whatsoever because you've got to plant a seed in order to get a harvest. And yet there are times when there's just a supernatural occurrence. At times, there's such a move of God's Spirit. At times, there's such an event in God that He says, even while the seed is still in the barn, I'm going to flourish the seed before it gets planted. It's going to bear fruit and harvest before it even leaves the barn. That's the kind of days that you and I as a church are moving into. I want to be on that side with God moving. And I wonder as a church, I love to look back on what others have done in the past, in past generations, and it's wonderful to read about that. But I think it's a time to say, as God's church right now in this day and this moment of time, 
Let's not be in the vicinity of what's happened before. Let's be right in the very heart and the centre of God. Do it again and do it again through the church today. As Billy Graham prayed, as John Wesley had prayed, I wonder if God's church today could pray the same things. God, revive me. Let there be fresh enthusiasm that comes upon me. Let there be a sense that I don't want to miss out on this moment right now. And would you do it again through me so that revival hits this land like Australia's never seen, that this land knows that this is the great south land of the Holy Spirit, that as people are driving down the highway here, they turn their cars around. They don't know why they're here, but they step into the house of God and they encounter a living Jesus that died upon on a cross for them. God, would you do it again in us? That's the story of the church. The story of the church is to see the manifest glory, the manifest representation that God is among His people. Lord, I pray for all of your people in this room today and others that didn't make it. Father, I pray that you would revive us. I ask, oh God, that there would be a sense of your Spirit among them. For those, Lord, I pray that you are moving upon them, even as your Word has gone forth this morning. There is seed in the barn. It is still there. There is a seed of praise. There is seed of um, salvation in the barn, Lord. There is a seed. There are seeds still left in the barn. But God, I ask you right now that you'd move upon their lives in ways that only a supernatural, mighty God could do. In Jesus' Name. And the church says, move through me. Amen.